All right, good morning. Uh, before I get into the message today, I, I would like to ask the elders to, to join me up front. And uh, Angela, can you come on? And, and whoever wants to come with you, Mom, come on. <laughs> and we're, I want to pray for her. You guys can be seated. Uh, Angela is leaving Friday for India. Uh, we're going to pray for her as she makes this mission. Uh, and this is not a mission trip. They're moving there for maybe just a year. Six months to two years. They don't know. For, and uh, just tell them what you're going to be doing over there. Oh, sorry. I'm getting married in a month. I wish I could do that here. I'm sorry, all you over there. But um, so we're going to get married and we're going to wait on my husband's job to get transferred back here to the States. And his company's really great. They're going to pay for his master's and all that. So. As soon as we get all that taken care of and we get transferred back here, we'll be back. And uh, this has been my home church for 21 years. Uh, I've been here uh, since my son was born. He's 16 now, and I was 16 when I first started listening to Pastor Dale at Cornerstone in Sparks. And uh, nothing has changed in my life the way the message of grace has. And I could not ask for a better church. You're not going to find anything like this anywhere. I promise you that. I'm going to miss it, but we're going to be tuning in live every week, uh, and hopefully maybe doing some remote stuff to help out while we're gone, and we'll stay connected with y'all. I appreciate everything y'all have done for us over the years. Y'all are my family. Y'all are my heart. We'll be back as soon as we can. Amen. 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 Come on here. Yeah, that's the only reason I'm going to pray for her to go, because that way she's already promised she's coming back, so. <laughs> Come on, Jeff. Amen. Well, Father, thank you for Angela. Thank you for the, just what you're doing in, in her life, yeah. spiritually, and this uh, big change we know geographically. But we, we know that you're in her, with her, and for her. Yes, and that's her confidence to go on this, this trip, on this journey, on this mission. Yes, Lord. And uh, we thank you for the promise, Lord God, of just your grace. And we pray you would just use her mightily in that country, in that nation, in that continent, and that you would bring her back home to us safe and uh, help the internet to work good in India so she can watch every Sunday. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank you. Love you, turn. Amen. Love you, Thank you. Uh, amen. I want us to to uh, to pray for several people. One one thing is uh, Mary Lee. That's a great. I mean, just a great testimony. I went and seen her when she was out in the hospital, and I mean, they were saying they they just wasn't saying good things. I won't even say what they were saying. It wasn't good at all. And you're out there thinking, you know, you're going to have to preach a funeral for long. And uh, God has brought her out. She was here Wednesday night, sitting right on the front row. Was it Wednesday night? She was on the front row. And uh, sitting here Wednesday night. With this, we had a great this past Wednesday night uh, time here at the church. I encourage you to, to come to those first Wednesdays. And, uh, uh, boy, they throwed some very easy questions on me Wednesday night. Not really. But uh, it was good. It's fun. I enjoy that format. I like conversations about the Lord and what's what's going on, but let's stand. Let's just pray. Uh, I've got a precious friend. Uh, he's probably watching. He is in the hospital in Douglas. Uh, he and his wife uh, Tangie come here often. I've known him for many many years, over twenty years, um, and uh, he's battling cancer and uh, also sepsis right now. And um, he's just a great brother. His name's Ricky Davis, and uh, I want us to call his name and just believe God. Uh, for him to be healed. We've seen God heal Mary Lee uh, right here in this church of cancer. So I, I assured him, I talked to him yesterday, I told him we would pray especially for him uh, this morning and call his name in prayer. I do believe that, uh, 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 you know, we want to pray for, continue to pray for Johanna's uncle. Uh, same thing, battling cancer. Uh, how many hates cancer, man? That's demonic disease man steals kills and destroys not from god at all um and uh, i do believe that mike hardy went home uh and so that was wonderful news there's another man that has come from the valley of the shadow of death they gave no hope uh, said he wasn't gonna make it uh wasn't gonna live to see this year come into to this year and 
he's at home. And uh, when you see my day is, you know, alert, uh, uh, sense of humor's there, talking and, and recognizing and, and just just uh, a miracle. And so you just believe God, uh, for, that God, there's nothing too hard uh, for the Lord. And I hope I'm not leaving anybody out. Uh, uh, am I leaving somebody out, Johanna? Okay, Willard, Robert's dad, okay. Your daughter? Yes, absolutely. And uh, listen, let me just do it like this. If you've got yourself or a family member that is really in a position right now that needs uh, a miracle, would, would you just kind of hold your hand? Now, for those that's got your hand up, and if you're around them and you know, don't have your hand up, and even if you do, would you just lay your hand on those people and start praying for their loved one and their family? And I'm going to pray for these I've mentioned. And uh, let's just believe God right now in this moment. I mean, we, this is a house of prayer for all nations, right? So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we lift up these people this morning before you because we have confidence that you are Jehovah Rapha. You are the Lord our God that heals us. And so you are our health, you are our life, you are our hope, and you are our healing. And, Lord, you said that we would lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So we agree with your word, we agree with your promises, and we come in agreement by faith and say they shall recover, they shall live and not die, they shall declare the works and the wonders of the Lord, they shall be a living epistle read of all men of the testimony of the healing power of the Lord Jesus Christ, for by his stripes they were healed. So we thank you that you've made provision before we ever got here, that they would be infirmities and sickness caused by the enemy, but that you made a, 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 a provision for our healing. And so in Jesus' name, we come in agreement with your word. We say, be healed in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. Come on, give the Lord praise if you believe it. Amen. You can be seated. God bless you. Oh. Yeah, our church uh, really got hit hard, as you can tell when you pull up. Uh, we've got part of the, the, the roof hanging off out there. Uh, I've already been speaking to roofing companies, and uh, I've got calls into several more. And how many knows they're busy right now? And then we have a, uh, a flat roof, and I told my wife, whoever invented the flat roof was demonic. Uh, who would invent, uh, invent a flat roof? Where, where do you think the water's going? Uh, so uh, we've battled uh, with that, and uh, uh, I've talked with the sign people. I'm meeting with them out here tomorrow, and our sign is uh, insured, praise God. So we'll get that uh, repaired, hopefully soon, so that people will know what this building is and uh, who belongs here. Uh, they, do. they do. Everybody that rides Bob does. And, um, um, and so we're, you know, we're working to get it uh, uh, fixed as soon as possible and uh, just keep on keeping on. Uh, tell the rest of the members we're still here and we're having church. I don't know where they at today. Uh, hurricane didn't take us out. A lot of us, like, yeah, I, I, and I've said this from the pulpit, uh, that you, I don't know anybody that got hit any harder than Ron and Wendy right there, uh, Butler. And, and, uh, and, and, and in fact, I got the builder I got, I had get him and Ron just told me that same guy's going to. Uh, you know, repair their their home, and and, and, and and not that I know, I don't know of anybody that took it any harder than these guys, and I'm so thankful. Number one, they were safe, and uh, number two, uh, they're gonna get it fixed, and you keep on keeping on. And we we love y'all, and and uh, you know, so it's and I've seen a lot of things that's really stressful, and like I was talking to Ron this morning for church, you know, it's just kind of my attitude's been you kind of got like they say to eat the elephant a little bite at the time, you know. Uh, like, like Connie right there, wave darling. I mean, where she lives, and I've been in her home several times, but where she lives was like, man, trees were dropping like dominoes, and many homes were destroyed in her area, and she didn't even have any damage, uh, you know, on her home. And so she knows that's just such a miracle. Uh, I had a tree guy, that big one that fell on our sign, that fell across the road, blocked, and a lot of you guys came out and did the best you could as clearing. And I had another pastor in town uh, uh, knew about us and how hard we took it in the storm. And he was talking to a tree surgeon that was doing some work for some of his people. And that tree, sur tree, tree guy, whatever you call him, 
uh, they got all kind of names now, you know, tree doctor, tree surgeon, tree climber, I don't know. But, but they, uh, he, said, he, he said, I've got to go back, I'm from Florida, I've got to go back to Florida. But he said, he said last night, uh, you know, the Lord really laid on my heart that I was to help a church, uh, you know, help a church in, this, in Valdosta before I go home. And he said, do you know of any church that I could help that, that got uh, hit hard? He said, Grace Point. And so that guy called me, and I talked to him, and he told me, and you know how we are, like, okay, I'm going to come and do it for free. I'm like, wait a minute now. <laughs> Nobody does nothing for free anymore. And, uh, but he was just the nicest guy, and he came out on Friday evening, did what he could, but he said, man, that tree is humongous. And I said, I know, I told you, it's huge. And he said, I'm, com I'm coming back in the morning, Saturday morning. I'm bringing heavier equipment, bigger saws. And uh, they got almost all of it, and then he pushed it, you notice, back upright. Uh, for me, and uh, that was such a blessing. And I saw kindness like that, and he just said, Pastor, you know, I just wanted to just bless you as much as I could. He said, if I had a five-foot saw blade, I'd take the rest of it down, you know, for you, but, but uh, just, 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 you know, nice people are, are, are in this world, and they love God, and they love churches that are trying to do the work of the Lord, so I'm so thankful uh, for that guy and, uh, and what he did. Hallelujah. Uh, y'all want to get in the Word today, or y'all want to go eat chicken? Um, I want to talk to you about, and I just entitled this, From Water to Wine. And, uh, and in John 2, uh, Jesus, the first miracle, and he actually calls it a sign. I don't really call it a miracle, but and that's how it's interpreted in the New King James, the first sign that Jesus did, uh, he did there at this wedding. Now, wedding, of course, uh, is symbolic of, uh, of just us and God. Uh, we're called the bride. He's called the bridegroom, right? It's covenant. And covenant, when, when American people hear the word covenant, they think of legal system, courts and legal things. And I, and I really do pray that you'll get away from that tendency. Uh, and that's a cultural-driven thing, not a biblical-driven thing. Uh, the covenant that God made with us is not a legal contract. Uh, we don't have a legal relationship with God. It, it, it is a love relationship. And God entered into that covenant with man. And, 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 uh, and all our responsibility is just to respond uh, to that love. And it's, uh, and it's unrelenting uh, love. But when, when Mary made that declaration, uh, they have no wine. Uh, uh, that is so indicative of, sadly, of the way a lot of people's relationship with God is. They have no wine. In the Bible, if you look up the word wine, it's all throughout there to some people's horror uh, uh, in the Bible. And many times it's a metaphor for joy and gladness of heart. And, and, and all the verses that, that the prophets used in talking about wine. And then Jesus talked about it. And he said that, the, that you know, that when, he, when he came, and he's talking about grace, and he's talking about the new covenant, and, and he said this, this is a new wine. And this new wine, Jesus said, cannot uh, be poured into old wineskins, into that old legal system, unless the, the old burst and uh, the wine is spilled. And all of that is metaphors. Of course, he's not talking about literal-ism uh, there. He's talking about the metaphor of grace. And so in, in uh, 1 John, John tells us that, that, that the law came by Moses, but grace came, you know, was given by Jesus Christ. Uh, and, and so you know, we could say going from water to wine, and we can also say going from Moses to Joshua. Uh, we, we, we mentioned some of this because the questions I got asked this uh, last Wednesday kind of led into to me, and I told them that we're here, I, I said, you know, th this is what I'm going to be talking about Sunday. And so I kind of got into it a little bit, but this, this describes my journey. And when I say from water to wine, I'm talking about if, if your relationship to God, if you will allow the grace of God that the team sung about today, if you will allow God that and invite that grace to, to enjoy that grace, like Paul talked about, in your life, it's, it's, a, it's a metaphor from going from water to wine. 
When Mary said, they have no wine, you could look at many Christians and many people that have a relationship. But you can look at, they have no wine. They have no joy. They have no peace. They, 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 they don't, there's so much that it's just bland religion and, and, and they, they don't have that relationship that they could have with the Lord because they, they, they don't really understand what Paul was saying in Romans 6 where he said, sin shall not have dominion over you for you are no longer under the law, but you're under grace. And I love that term, under grace. I mean, you're under grace and you're under an open heaven and you're under a God that hears your prayer. All, all those things that, that, that we grew up, I, used, I grew up in church, you know, where the preacher would come and try to poke a hole in the heavens. The praise team would come. You could feel it. And, and I still have gone to churches where you sense that. And, and they're straining and they're working and they're, and, and they're laboring. And, and they really believe that if they'll pray, sing loud enough or sing hard enough or somehow or another that they'll cause the heavens to open up and God might do something. And, and it's such a sad way to live. And I lived that way for decades. And, and, and we would start the services. Lord, we just ask you to open the heavens today. And I came to realize by reading the Bible and by my relationship with God that the heavens were open when Jesus came. The Bible literally says at his baptism in the Greek that God ripped the heavens apart. And that was the fulfillment of what one of the prophets, Isaiah, had cried out. And Isaiah, I think it's 64.1. But he said, oh, Lord, that thou would rend the heavens and come down. Well, God did rend the heavens and he came down. God became man. Emmanuel, God with us, and he ripped the heavens apart. And, and what's he talking about? He's talking about anything that would try to, to block God. He, he ripped that apart, and the Holy Spirit descended into bodily form at Jesus' baptism. God spoke audibly. I mean, we see that. And, and, and I want to tell you, uh, John, when he saw a vision into heaven, he said, I, see, he said, I saw a door open. He, uh, he, and he says, I saw a door standing open. And then he told us who the door was, and he said, it's Jesus. There, so you, you, you've got to know that you're living your life under an open heaven with total, and what does all that, what does that metaphors symbolize? Total access to God. Total access to God. There, you know, I've had preachers say, well, oh, the heavens are brass, the earth is steel, I can't get a prayer through. Where are you trying to pray to? So you got that religious mindset that you think that you're here, God's in, in the galaxies, and you're trying to shoot a prayer through the eons, I thought you told me God lived in you. I thought the Bible says Christ in you. So if you want to pray to God, just bend your head and look at your heart, because that's where he's supposed to be right there. He's not out there in the galaxy's cosmos. You can forget all that Old Testament stuff about Daniel praying, and there's Michael the angel, and the demons is fighting in 21 days. All that's got nothing to do with you. Other than just interesting reading. It ain't got nothing to do with you. You're not having to fight your way through no demons to get no prayer through. I grew up on the getting the prayer through stuff. We got to get a prayer through. Boy, if we just got to have a breakthrough, prayer through, get through. I wish you'd get through with all that and just relax and believe what Jesus accomplished on the cross. Said he defeated every power, every principality, every ruler of darkness. Jesus disarmed them. On the cross, that's what the Colossians tells us. Philippians tells us the same thing. And so the enemy has been disarmed. So you, we just have to learn to believe in what God's accomplished. And see, I was telling them, you know, and there's interesting stories. And I could go get all my verses, but I'm just kind of like standing here. If it wasn't for all this and we filming, I'd be all out there with y'all every service. I used to. I had one guy tell me, man, watching you preach is like watching a tennis match. <laughs> But it's just my heart to be close to you so you get it. But you know, it, it, the first miracle that Jesus did, he turned water into wine. The first, and that's what grace brought about. Now, when Moses went in to Egypt to deliver God's people, the first miraculous thing that happened was water was turned to blood, which brought death and destruction. But Jesus turned water to wine that brought life and celebration. Now, there's a huge difference. And the law was not ignored, it was fulfilled in Jesus. But now I want you to listen to me. If you go to Exodus, we're not going to go there for the sake of time. 
So Moses is leading the people out, and they're out into the wilderness. Uh, God loves them. And, he, and the God of the Old Testament, and the question that I got Wednesday night, first question, uh, these are the kind of easy questions I'm asked. But see, it tells me that those things are on your heart. And some Christians are even afraid to broach the subject to even ask the questions because they're, so, they're just afraid to ask it. But the person asked me, and you, many of you were here, how, how, do you, how do you deal, and, and he said he was asked that by, I believe, one of his, you know, some friends and so forth. And he's been trying to tell people how good God is and how much grace God is, how much, you know, how God's pure love and he's love plus nothing. And yet then people, will, first thing they want to do, they know just enough Bible to be dangerous. And they want to jump into the old covenant, reach and pull out stuff to try to prove to you who's telling them how good God is that God ain't good as you think he is. Now they're not, they're not going to frame their words that way, but that's exactly what they're trying to do. They're trying to say God's not as good as you're saying he is. And he's not as kind and he's not as loving. And, 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 and if he is, then he's a different God than we see when Jesus gets here. And that's, that's, that's big time heresy. And if you say that God is not like Jesus and Jesus is not like God, then you have just divided the, tr the Trinity, which we have one God. And, and, and the Bible says they are, in the New Testament, there are three, three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit, the Spirit. They are three. Yet, and those three, it says, are one. It says that in your New Testament Bible. That's as clear as it gets. We have always believed, and that's the bedrock of our faith, that we have one God manifested in three persons. And we don't have polytheism, poly meaning many, theism, God. We don't have three gods. We don't have 30 gods. We have one God. Uh, and, and we have God the Father, God the Son, the Holy Spirit. And when you say God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, it's appropriate and proper to say that, but we're not meaning we've got three gods. We have one Lord. Hear ye, O Israel, for our God is one Lord, one God. And uh, you say, well, I don't understand it. Well, don't worry about it. I, I don't understand it either. But you go, well, how can three things be one and yet different? And I said, you know, and you've heard me say that if you've come here a long time. I ain't said it in a long time. But I just say, go to your refrigerator, get out an egg. You got egg to shell, egg to yolk, egg to white. You can separate them all out, put the shell here, put the yolk here, put the white of the egg here. They don't look the same, but yet they're the egg. It's all egg, baby. So when you want to teach somebody about the Trinity, just crack an egg. <laughs> right? And say egg to shell, egg to yolk, egg to white. Any more questions? Class over. Fry that egg and enjoy it and have, have breakfast. <laughs> And I do, I mean, I, God showed me that many years ago, you know, and, and like one guy was talking about how to, you know, water, and then water can be ice, and water can be steam, and water can be liquid, and, and that didn't go down as easy for me. I'm, I need a, just egg. There's my Trinity teaching, okay? But I, it's not that I try to understand it, I just believe in that God. And so, you know, Moses is leading the people out, and and, and we got all these, we got these books, and, they, and the question was, how can you correlate, and how do you respond to a God that seems so violent and, and retributive in the Old Testament if you say it's just like Jesus, and Jesus is like God and all that? And how, how do you, how do you, how do you, you know, deal with that? And, and it's, it is a very good question, but it's a very difficult question, and it's really difficult for Christians who have a weird stance on things. And, 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 and I have been that person. And most times I tried to ignore it, tried not to spend time thinking about it. But, but this is what I know. I will never allow the greatest revelation of God, of how God is, is the cross. Because on the cross we see God. The Bible says, where, you know, where was God you know, if you ask the question, where was God when Jesus was being crucified? He was not up in heaven punishing his son. Second Corinthians 5, God was in Christ, Paul says, reconciling the sin of the world to himself. Okay? And all that mess that you heard in church about God was turned his back on sin, he can't look at all that's bull. I hate to say it like that, but I don't have time to theologically put it nice. That's just not true. Uh, and... and uh, and you say, well, you know, and I just want to get into all that because I've answered those many times. 
But the point was, that's where God was. And what was God doing on the cross? Was he paying anybody back? Was he, you know, he said he could call for angels if that was him and, you know, destroy everybody, but he didn't. That wasn't a threat. He just said, that's not me. He's not going to call down angels and kill people. He, that's just not him. And uh, so what did he do when he was being murdered? And all through the New Testament, the book of Acts specifically says, and, and those that were preaching, they said, he, they're preaching to the Jews, they're preaching to the, they said, you killed him. They actually, one verse says, you murdered him. God didn't do that. We did that. Man, man did that. And how did God respond to our murderous things we did to him? He forgave us. And he forgave the world. And he took away the world, uh, the sin of the world. And, and, and it was, and, and that, and, but if you want to know who God is, you look at Jesus. Hebrews said he's the exact representation of the Father. He, 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 he is the Father. And Jesus said that. Philip said, show us the Father. Jesus said, you know he said this. Philip, have I been so long with y'all that y'all have not yet seen the Father? When you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus made this amazing statement. He said, no one has ever seen God but the Son. No one knows the God, he said, but the Son. Well, I thought Moses talked to God. So the only way to answer that is that all these guys, Moses, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, all these people that had these encounters with God, they just, I, I would the best phrasing of it to me would be they saw glimpses, just glimpses. And I want to tell you, nobody understood God, you know, and not that we understand him now, but nobody even had a clue about God until Jesus came. Nobody from Genesis to Malachi, which is all 39 books of the Old Covenant, ever called God Father. Nobody. No prophet. Nobody. Nobody called him Abba. Nobody ever even thought that God was like that. And they blamed a lot of stuff on God. And, 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 and people wrote, and, and, and so I have one way I answered that question that I was asked Wednesday night, well, how do you deal with that? How do you answer that? And the only thing I know to tell you, and, and, and this is true, and this is not something Dale Young made up. But this is systematic theology from the early church fathers, and I'm talking about church fathers that wrote, who knew Peter, who knew John personally. And I'm talking that one generation, and there's many of them, and I can give you names, and you can get on uh, Google, and you can read them. Uh, and that's what I've been doing for several years. I wanted to see what, how far have we gotten off. I'm, you know, I remember one time I had one of my elders in, when I was at Cornerstone, uh, that was a builder, still is, and we were doing some project somewhere or something, and, and he was great, always helping me. And he, you know, and, and I was doing stuff, and he said, go out here and cut me, you know, here's the board, and, and I need 10, 10 uh, of those. You don't know what, what, I think it was the one I lived on Coxton, we was building that, he was building a horse barn for me. And he said, I need 10, 10, you know, that length. Then he measured it out, marked it, cut it, handed me the board. Well, I'm really not a carpenter guy, okay? But I'll try. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm a pretty good handy guy. But, so I, he's got these two batons, whatever we were using in that barn, and laying out there. So I laid the, the board he handled me, took my pe pencil, marked it, and cut it. I passed that board that he handed me to the guy. He carries it to him. <laughs> he's hitting that air gun. Now I got the one that I cut laying there, and I lay it on a new board. And I take my pencil, and I mark it, and I skill saw that one. And I take the one that I uh, just used to mark with, I hand that to the guy, he carries it to him, and here we go. On the third one, I heard him holler, whoa, this ain't right. He said, you ain't got them, you, you, you ain't got them measured right. You, uh, that's not what I gave you. And I said, I'm marking them exactly. He said, how are you marking them? And, and I said, I'm marking them. I hand the board and he marked, used the board that I cut to mark the other one. He said, that's your problem. He said, you should have stayed with the original. He said, I give you that one to mark every one that you're going to cut, not to mark, cut, hand one, mark. He said, because every time you do it, it's moving that saw blade. And that was a lesson. And it was also a lesson in how far we've gotten from the original in the church. 
Because we've, we've done our religion. We say this is what it is. We pass it on. And then here we go again. And everybody asks. See, I want to tell you something. The verse in the New Testament says, in the last days, men, and people love to put this on Facebook. And who they aim it at is preachers like me. Not me personally, because I'm too sweet. But they, they aim it at grace preachers. In other words, what they say is, you know, in the last days, saith God, you know, uh, you know perilous times, you know, men will not, but uh, uh, they, they'll have itching ears and they'll want teachers to tell them what they want to hear. And so what the people that post that are using it for, which they're bending it, they are saying that what that means is if you're preaching sweetness and grace and goodness and love, then, then that's what people want to hear. And that's, you know, that's, you, you're just one of those people. And if you read the context of what Paul is saying and, and Timothy, and, and what, what he's saying is that the people that are still throwing the law in, that's the context. The ones that are throwing the rules and the regulations and the one that's pushing and all this stuff, that's, the, that's what they want to hear. See, that's why they want to hear that God's going to get you. They want to hear that. They're the ones that's desiring those kind of preachers. I'm going to be real vague on this, just make a comment, but I'm just going to say in the last week or two, I got invited to one of the churches, evangelical churches in our town. I went and got whooped on. And it's amazing how sensitive I am now to law. When you give me a mixed drink, I know it. And when I sit there and you whoop out a parable and then you use it as a weapon and then you beat the daylights out of me, uh, I'm real sensitive to that. And in fact, I would audibly just, you know, uh, and Jill would look at me and say, (laughs) (laughs) but it was so bad so many times that I had to, it was like, I would go, oh, God. And anyway, it was, it was horrible. And even my sweet wife, you know, you say it was horrible too. But you just don't moan out like I do. But uh, it was pitiful. And, and, and yet the building was ten times nicer than this one. And it was full of people. And that's their normal life. And their normal world. And the whole thing was a fundraising deal, really, when you got right down to it. And I ain't against fundraising, but anyway. Don't whoop on me if you're trying to get my bill for. You need to be sweet to me. And don't take God's parable that you don't even know what it means and use that and whoop on everybody in the building and, and tell everybody that if you got anything material, then that's you're wrong. I'd like to follow you to your house. Just ridiculous. But now I'm so, I'm just a grace guy. And a lot of people, they don't understand that. And so Moses is leading the people out. God beckons him to a mountain where he's going to receive the the commandments. And you got to think about this. These people, as a people group, have been in Egyptian bondage for 430 years, according to the Scriptures. That's generation after generation after generation born in slavery. Okay, we can't even imagine that, none of us. But these people, and they are surrounded by Egyptians who have many, many gods, many gods. And one of their Egyptians' gods happens to be cows. And, and they have all kinds of gods, and the serpents and, that you'd see on their regalia and stuff. And so they go out there, Moses is on the mountain for a long time, Okay. They get bored, whatever. And, and so uh, uh, Joshua went with Moses. He, is, is, he went halfway up. I mean, that's his, that's his compadre. So he went halfway up. He's hanging out halfway up the mountain. Uh, Moses went on up to the top, hung out with God. Now, they're out there like 40 days. The people, you know, they just, they, they not got it together, man. Now, they left, Moses left Aaron, which is his brother, <clears throat> in charge. Big mistake. Big mistake. So Aaron's there, and the people go to Aaron and say, uh, make us a, a God that we can, that we can worship. Because as far as this fellow Moses, we don't know what's become of him. 
So Aaron was a man-pleasing preacher. So what he does is does whatever the people want to do. So they said, this is what we want to do. They took a church vote. Okay, here we go. So he, 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 he says, y'all give me all your gold earrings and everything that you, you know, that you got off the Egyptians. He does that. You know, he melts all that down. And it says in the Bible, he made a golden molded calf with his own hands. Anybody ever read this story? So I won't have to go there. So he did it with his own hands. And then as soon as they got through and he made it, the, the people and, and Aaron, you know, the, the people pointed and says, this is the God that brought us out of Egypt. Now, when you read that, most of us, I don't read it like that anymore, but when I used to read that, I was like, these people are, you know, like, that's not God. They were saying, they weren't saying that's Baal or that's some false God. They knew who brought them out of Egypt. They knew it was Yahweh because Moses told them. They knew, but they said, that's what Yahweh looks like. They pointed at a golden calf and said, that's Yahweh. Now you look at that and go, well, that's weird, that's religion, how could they be so stupid? Now please, let, let me tiptoe through this here. We do the same thing in this world today. And men model with their own hands and come up with their own religion or their own image of God or what Yahweh is like. And then they point to it and say, this is him. And to some, that's Baptist or Methodist. And I'm, no offense to any denomination, I'm just giving you, you know, our, you know, it's a Methodist God. You know, I remember when I would be, was Pentecostal, I mean, Baptist people didn't believe it. They thought we were just nuts. Just clam crazy, speak in tongues and do all that stuff, you know. And a lot of people laugh at that stuff on the internet, you know, put up Facebook and you see, you know, them Pentecostal. But I was raised in Pentecostal in the early Time and there was a great deal of that that I, I even missed today. It was there was a freedom that I that was wonderful, and there was excess and there was uh, all kind of stuff, just like in every situation. But those people said that's Yahweh. Now uh, Moses and they just start worshiping, but in their mind, and you got to be patient with them. That's all they've known for four hundred thirty years is all this weird stuff. So they so Moses comes down from the mountain. And he sees them out there worshiping and praising and dancing. Now Moses, y'all say what you want to about Mo. That brother had a temper. I mean, a, he, he had a bad temper. I can give you a verse. Uh, I mean, there's many, but, but like one, one verse I was reading. I'll get back to where it, it uh, Let It's Exodus 32, verse 19. This is when he's coming down from the mountain. And it says, as soon as he came near the camp, that he saw the calf, the dancing. So Moses' anger became hot. Boy, if you read that in Hebrew, I mean, brother, he lost it. He lost his mind with anger. Now remember, this dude done killed somebody in Egypt. That's how he got that 40 years out there taking care of animals and just thought he was out of the ministry. Then God had to go out and drag him out. And if you want to know why they're 30 years behind, the prophets had prophesied they would only be in Egypt 400 years. They was in there 430 because Moses screwed up. Sometimes you can screw up and stay somewhere long when you're supposed to stay. Stay in that condition, I mean. Right? Did y'all... And then Moses' anger became hot. He cast the tablets out of his hand, broke them at the foot of the mountain. Now listen to me. Don't ever think God was in any of that. You think God was wanting him to throw them tablets down? No, God wasn't in any of that. He just lost his temper. You ever lost your temper or found it? I don't know why we say lost it. <laughs> me, me and Howard are the only two. See, we're on. Okay, we got some more. So you find your temper, and then you put it on display. And you, you do things that you shouldn't do, say things you shouldn't say. And so this is what's happening here. Moses lost his mind. He is so full of anger and bitterness and wrath at these people. And so he, what he does is he, he, he goes and he confronts uh, Aaron. You know, like, what? I'd like to have that recording of what he said to him. And then Aaron, he must, he must and Aaron knows he's dealing with a guy capable of murder. So Aaron starts lying like a dog. And Aaron's like, listen, listen, Moses, you, you know these people. 
You know how wicked and evil they are. So he blames it on the people. He said, you know how they are, how rebellious they are. And he said, and I want to tell you this, he said, they're the ones that wanted this, you know, uh, God to worship, you know, that brought them out of Egypt. And so all I did is got there, I took up an offering, and I took their gold, and I just, and he actually says, and I throwed it in the fire, and out popped this golden calf. Whoo! That's what we call in South Georgia a big old fat lie. It's in your book. That's what he did. And he, what, he, what is he doing? He's trying to make you believe that this is supernatural. That this, is, this is supernatural, Moses, so don't be mad about it because really God's behind this. See there? Again, they want to blame it on God. God ain't behind that. You read up verses that said he formed that calf with his own hands. Men form their religion with their own hands. And then they'll try to make claim that it's just supernatural. It's just supernatural. I, you know, I was asleep and an angel came and he laid out gold plates and now we have the Mormons. Mm. And I'm not saying they're evil people. But that's just how we got there. Now we claim it's supernatural, and we got a good choir, so hey, everybody love us. And I do love them. I love Mormons. Jill's got Mormon people in her family. They was terrified of me when I spent the night with them in Stephenville, Texas. Because at that time, I'm full raging Pentecostal. And to them Mormons, it was like having a demon sleep in your house. I laid in their bedroom and read their Mormon Bible that night. Not all of it. Uh... I wanted to see what the other testament said about Jesus. I ain't got near the faith it takes to be a Mormon after I read some of their stuff. Uh, they got a lot greater faith than me. Y'all do understand what I'm saying between the lines, right? But I love the people. It was a guy the other day, there was a car parked somewhere, and it was just, just you could hear it knocking. He said, man, that car knocks more than a Jehovah Witness. <laughs> now, I was one of them, that doggone funny right here, brother. That's funny. I don't care. <laughs> that was funny. You know, because they always come on Saturday and wake you up. You know. And yet we got there because some man formed something, declared it to be from God, and said it's supernatural. And we've been doing that since the desert. Now, Moses got really angry. Aaron's just trying to survive the deal. Moses takes the golden calf, throws it back in the fire, burns it, it says, grinds it to powder, puts it in their drinking water, and made everybody drink it. He goes Jim Jones on them. He puts something in their Kool-Aid, and, and, and no, no levity about what happened to those people. Why would Moses, you think God told Moses to do that? No, this is a man that's filled with anger and wrath, and he's just trying to hurt them. Now, i got to be careful here, and I'm not trying to be funny. I'm just, just trying to be real, man. But if you drink, I just, as a, I was in medicine, you know, anyway, my medical background. But I'm just telling you this. If you drink gold, you're going to see it again. When you go to the bathroom. It's just true. So Moses wanted them to remember what they did. He was really upset with them. And in fact, he was so upset that he said, who's on the Lord's side, come over and get by me. And the Levites come over by him. And he told them, he said, all right, y'all pull your swords and go through the camp and kill everybody. Your brothers, your neighbors, your family, kill them. You think God was behind that? There's no nothing. But I heard preachers say, and that's where it says 3,000 died that day. And I grew up in church hearing that God killed 3,000 people that day. But when Peter preached, 3,000 got saved, so we kind of got the number back. How sad. God didn't kill nobody that day. You know who killed people that day? Moses' temper and his anger. And he used the Levites to carry out his destructive, murderous mission. 
And, buddy, that did tighten up the crew now. You start seeing people get killed because they didn't keep Moses happy. Everybody gets back in line. That's mafia stuff. Break a few legs, okay. That's Godfather, not Father God. And I'm trying to tell you this so that when you go through those passages that you just try to read it now through the lens of Jesus. And would Jesus do that? No, Jesus wouldn't do that. You remember when Moses had the people and they were really thirsty and God told him to strike the rock? You remember that? And he struck the rock and out came water for all those people and, and their animals. You know why? Because Papa's a good father and he loves his kids. And he supplied water for them. Now they travel for weeks and then they get in a similar situation where they're thirsty, there's no water. And, 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 he, and, and so Moses comes to God again because the people are fussing at him. And he says, uh, you know what I do, Papa? And God says, speak to the rock, and I'll give the people water. Well, then Moses goes up, and, 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 who, and let me say this. Who did God tell Moses to speak to? To the rock. Who is the rock a metaphor of? Jesus. So he said, speak to Jesus about this. I know you're upset. You're frustrated. You're not having a great day right now. Everybody's on your case. Speak to Jesus. And then it says, Moses' next verse, it said, he spoke to who? Not the rock, but to the people. When God's told you to speak to Jesus about something, but you're you speaking to your spouse about it, or you're speaking to your neighbor about it, or even you speaking to yourself about it, and you're bringing depression and, and frustration and, and stuff, and you're trying to get your husband to change, and you need to speak to Jesus, but you're speaking to him and telling him how he needs to change, how, you know, or the wife or vice versa, you know what I mean. The answer is to speak to Jesus. Speak to where the light, water represents life. That's where the life's going to flow from. Now, we know that when Moses struck the rock in the first occasion, that was a metaphor for the crucifixion of Jesus, and he would be struck on the cross, and out of him would come life for all of us, and we would be spared death, right? And now he tells him to speak to the rock, but Moses don't speak to the rock because Moses, like most people, resists change. They don't like the change. They want to do it like they've done it last time, last year, last decade, the way grandmom's church was, and they don't want to change. And we, we get frustrated because we don't want to change. Frust you know, somebody, well, I don't, you know, and I've heard preachers say to me, well, I don't know if Moses really heard God or not. I mean, maybe, maybe he, I, I don't know. Well, if he did, it's on Moses and not on God because God, he knew the first time when God said, strike the rock. Now God says to speak to the rock. So I believe Moses did hear God. But I will agree with you, frustrated people don't hear God very clearly. If you're frustrated now, you're not going to be able to hear God's voice. I was sitting with my grandbabies last night, and they said, Poppy, you want to read with us? And I said, Poppy's too tired to read, man. I, I did. I worked like a dog. We're still cleaning up at my house, too. Even Jill come outside and was helping. Love you, girl. And, uh, and we just, you know, where I had a stump ground, we just hauled off five-gallon bucket that five-gallon bucket that five-gallon bucket of that stuff. And, uh, and uh, man, I was worn out. I, I worked, you know, till it got dark. I was tired. And I got, I said, but Poppy's uh, too, I don't want to read. <laughs> and, and, and they said, Poppy, you don't read? I said, I read all the time, son. I'm just too tired to read now. I said, I'll listen, you read. And, uh, and so then Addie went and got her book, because if Aiden's going to do something, Addie's going to do it. I don't know what it is. So she come in there, and she's got, uh, what, uh, something here's a who. What's the name of that Dr. Seuss book? Horton, couldn't think of Horton's name. Horton hears a who. And she comes sit there with that book, and she said, Papa, you ever read this book? I said, I've read that book, and I've seen the movie. Not only have I read the book, I've seen the movie. And, and, she, and, and I said, it's good, ain't it, baby? She said, yeah. I said, you know what that book's really about? And she said, no. And I said, it's really Dr. Seuss wrote that book because he wanted people to know that if you listen close enough, you can hear God speak to you. And I want to tell you, you Google that. That's a fact. That's why he wrote the book. I love how them guys did all that stuff, and they just snuck that all in on us. Like the, the, the Nardia uh, version, all that. People don't even know that. It's all God. The witch, the war robe, and all that's God. That's Jesus, all right there in, in symbolism to a metaphor. So smart. And I said, yeah, baby. I said, if you, if you listen close enough, God will always be talking to you. That's what I told my little grandbaby. But that's what the book is about. That's the purpose of it. And I know she was just looking at me, and I said, you see that? You see his big old ears? I said, you don't have to have big old ears. Your ears. 
you can always hear God talking. She didn't say nothing. She was just looking at her book. She might have been thinking, Poppy, weird. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know what she was thinking. But I want them to know you can always hear. God always hears you, and you can always hear God. I've gone to things where, you know, I'm going to teach y'all how to hear the voice of the Lord today. No, you ain't. You ain't. There ain't a course in there that does that. You can teach people how to recognize the voice that they've been hearing all their life, and this was God. A lot of things you think God has to be like Marlon Brando or what's the other dude that played God? Uh, you know, you, actor. You know, you think God speaks in loud, megatone, echoing voices. But his own book said it's a still, small voice. Just listen. Y'all always, he said the prophets, the whole symbolism of that was you always looking for God in the loud stuff. Earthquake, tornadoes, wind. I'm not in all that. Just that still, small voice. Papa, what is it? Papa, help me get my house fixed and get all these demons off of me. <laughs> You've been praying that wrong. <laughs> you know, you got all this trouble. And then I got up yesterday morning, and I was going, wasn't even looking for nothing. I was going to an opposite end where them two oak, big oak trees hit my house, and I look up, and I got a leak. And the man done come and said, all the rest of my roof was good. I don't reckon he knows everything. But this ain't even close to where no tree hit my house, and now I got water damage. That, don't make me, that didn't make my coffee go down good yesterday. It's like, oh, goodness. Okay, just take camera out, take pictures. I'll be on the phone with y'all again Monday morning. But we will get through this eventually. You know, Moses, uh, he really struggled and had a lot of anger issues. And, and, and it followed him and it, and it involves people, real, real people. And when you read passages like that, don't read that because, and you can go back and read it. Exodus 32, read it. Re read on into 33. It, there's so much that God is accused of. And I've told you this, and you just have to, you know, and, and I, I've got the verse. I'll give you the verses just so you won't think I'm making up something. But I, I just offer this to you. It's like 2 Samuel 24, verse 1. They, they don't even know who wrote First and Second Samuel. Uh, it's attributed to Samuel and three other prophets, but it can't, Samuel can't wrote Second Samuel because he dies in Second Samuel. But anyhow, it, it, that, the, the Word of God... God, I told uh, the person Wednesday night, God allowed for some reason in his supreme wisdom to allow his children to tell the story about him from their perspective. And it is divine in the sense that God wants us. And so why would we need to hear things like that that are not accurate about God, where, where things and statements are made uh, Benny Calloway said Wednesday night, you know, like the New Testament verse where they came to Jesus and they said, well, we know that God doesn't hear the prayers of a sinner, but if any man be a worshiper of God, him God heareth. And, and preachers will read that and they'll preach that like if, as if that's true. And if God don't hear the prayers of sinners, then he don't hear the prayers of nobody. And I don't mean in the sense that our identity is sinners because it's not, we're saints. But I'm saying God does hear your prayer or you never could even be saved then in, in that sense. Just ridiculous. And so just because you read it, that don't mean that's bona fide. What, that there's things that are misquoted. You know, when Job said, Lord giveth, Lord take away. The Lord doesn't give and take away. And if you preach that as if that's true about God, then you, you malign God's character. Because if the Lord really does give, and then if the Lord does come and take it away from you, then that makes him a thief. And, and Jesus told us who the thief was in John 10, 10. And it's not his papa. So if God gives you something, he'll never take it away from you. God's not a taker away, he's a giver. And so like 2 Samuel 24 and 1, it says, And the anger of the Lord was aroused against Israel, and he moved David against them to say, Go number Israel and Judah. And I'm not going to read all the verses, but that's, that's where it starts. So it, it says in the Bible, in Samuel, that God's anger, he moved on David to number the people. If you keep reading, then God's anger is turned against David and he punishes David for numbering the people. Now, does that make sense to you? Do you really believe that's the way Papa is? And then we get 500 years later, supposedly by date, to 1 Chronicles and 2 Chronicles. We've got 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, that's first. And then the next book, 
uh, in chronological would be Chronicles. And so the chronicler, uh, whomever wrote that book, in 1 Chronicles 21 and 1, says, now Satan, they're talking about the same, same uh, situation, says, now Satan stood up against Israel and moved David to number Israel. Right? Are y'all with me? Y'all, y'all, y'all staring like, are y'all hear what I'm saying? Uh, so I got one verse in 2 Samuel 24, 1 says the Lord did it. I got a verse in 1 Chronicles 21 said Satan did it. Now, which one? Because it can't be both. It just can't be both. I'll allow you to pick which verse you choose to believe. I'm going to give you a hint. I'm choosing going with the chronicler. And thank whoever wrote Samuel didn't know what he's talking about. But God allowed them to say it was me. Because we have all throughout the ages and still to this day, we point at things like a golden calf and say that's Yahweh. Or we point at a tornado coming through and ripping up people's homes and we say that's Yahweh did that. You were telling me Wednesday night about, are, are you a nurse or you're a therapist? And so she works in South Georgia Medical Center, way so they know I ain't making you up. And so she, she works there. She might not, I mean, anyway, I didn't ask you permission to do this. But, but she told me Wednesday night, her heart breaks. She encounters people all the time. And what did you tell me they say? Why did God do this to me? So she goes in as a therapist to treat people lying in the hospital. And time after time, how, how often does that happen to you? Daily? Daily. And she said, why did God do this to me? What, what have I done that God's doing this to me? And she spends her time, and boy, I'd like to have a recording of you, because boy, you get on them with all fours, that God's not behind this. You tell them that, she told me. I, she said, I tell them, God's not behind this. God's not the author of this. God's not doing this to you. But don't that break your heart? as it does mine, to think of all these people out there that are suffering and they think that God's the author of it. And see, that's our privilege and job to tell really good news that Papa's not doing this to you. He's really not. And it's hard to undo decades of religious teaching in them where people have pointed to tragedies and said, that's Yahweh. He's angry. He's punishing people. He's giving you this cancer because he's trying to teach you something. Or he's doing this. Or, you know, he, he gave you a little baby. And remember how happy he was when you took the little baby home hospital? But then he decided he wanted it back. And then when the baby was three, he took it back to heaven. Because he needed an angel in heaven. And he wanted a flower for his bouquet table. Is what preachers preach at funerals. So he took your baby. But still praise him and love him because he's good. Hallelujah. Let's go to church. That's why you got empty chairs. Because that's the false gospel that America has preached to our people. And they have maligned and impugned the name of our Holy Father. And all I will say, when I too, I've been studying the Bible since I was 19, but I read stuff and it used to torment me and it would just confuse me and I would try to keep a good heart and I would try to be honest, I'd just ignore it. But, but this, is, this is how I deal with it. It, it, we, we need every passage, and every passage is precious, even if it's people that are saying stupid things about Papa. Why do we need to read it then? Because people are still saying stupid things about Papa. And we need to see that's how we've been always done. And we've pointed at golden calves, and we've pointed at religion, and we've pointed at things and said, that's Yahweh. He brought us out of Egypt. But now he's whipping on us, and now he's killed our brothers, and now he made us drink water with gold in it, and, and God's angry. And, and you remember, let me, give me just a minute, remember after Moses did all that temper throwing, and he, and he yelled at the people? Remember, he called them names. He said, you bunch of rebels. Y'all remember that? And remember, now who did God tell him to speak to? To the rock. Who's he speaking to? The people. And he's not only speaking to them, but he's yelling at them. Now, God loves them people. That's the whole reason he sent Moses, because he'd heard their cry. He loves him people, and that's why he sent Moses. And now the man that he sent to deliver them and bring them out is yelling at them and calling them names. And he's full of rage and anger, and they're afraid of him because they know that he done killed an Egyptian in Egypt. They know he's capable of murder, and they've seen his, temp they've seen his anger and temper. I'm telling you, on more than one occasion. You got a guy that's losing temper that like that. He, he, it ain't just he's had a bad year. I mean, you know, he's doing, he's doing this often. And they're afraid of him. And God does this. He says, Moses, come here and bring, bring, uh, bring your brother with you. Now, God's not being mean or angry here. But this is what he says to him. He said, look at me, son. You read it. 
He says, because you failed to keep me holy and to sanctify me before the people, I will not allow you to carry them into the promises of God. Because you're presenting me in anger as, I, as if I'm angry. You're angry. I'm not angry. You're angry. And you made them believe that I'm angry. And I can't allow you to lead them with this kind of anger issues you've got. So I'm going to let Joshua carry them on in. Joshua in Hebrew means Yeshua in Greek. Same thing. And it's, a, it's, it's typology. And so Joshua, grace will carry you where the law never could. Rules and regulations. You can't threaten people into Jesus' relationship with him. You can't scare them. You can't threaten them with hell. You can't dangle them. You can't beat on people and yell at them and call them names. God don't like that. Because he loves those people. And that's literally what it said. You didn't keep me. You presented me in a wrong way before the people. God help every preacher, including this one, to never present God as angry and wrathful and vengeful and retributive to his people. But that's not who he is. And know that only Yeshua, Yamashiach, Shiach, Jesus, the Messiah, well, only Jesus can carry you in to that relationship. No man coming to the Father except by me. That's not some rule regulation. Jesus said you can't really know Papa until you come through me because you, you see Papa more clearly in me. Because God is the Spirit. You see him in me. Stand with me. Did this make any sense to you? Amen. Let's don't be like Moses, man. I love Moses. I'm going to see him when I get to heaven. And I'm going to say, man, bro, you had some bad temper tantrums. I probably relate to him because when I was growing up, my grandmama, they would see little babies that had been born in the family, grandma, and the baby acting up or hit another kid or throw something across the room. And my grandma, I remember she always she said, that's that young temper, uh, temper went to jail. That's that young temper. And, and it was like we wore that as a badge in our family. Our family was known as, you know, we got temper. And we don't take crap from nobody. I mean, really. And, and, and so many, and there are many, you know, my family that still do, they kind of wear that as a, you know, as a, man, we don't, we don't take nothing. But, you know. And Jill knows when she met me, I was 150 pounds, but I'd fight anything in shoe leather. I mean, I really would. And I'm not proud of that, but that's how I was raised up. You don't take nothing off nobody. You know, bigger they are, harder they fall. Just get the first punch in, what Daddy always told me. If you hit them hard first time, that you, you know, if you see it fit to go down, son, he said, you'd be the one to draw the first lick. I'm not saying that's a teaching to teach you peoples. <laughs> I'm just telling you how the ignorant stuff that we was raised under. And it kind of led us to, we wore that as grandkids. I mean, we, we was all like that. Me and my first cousin, man, we'd all fight in the yard and stuff. And, man, I mean, we just grew up like that. We go down to Branford, Florida, where the rest of our kin folks are, and we, 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 that's our first cousin. We'd be down there, you know, you know fighting them. And, and they'd be talking about, y'all go back to Georgia. And we'd, about, we'd go to Georgia when we want to. We whooped y'all, we'll go back to Georgia. Just because y'all live on the Swanee River, we whoop you. We live in the woods up there, man. We're just ridiculous. I don't want my kid. I don't want to say that to my kid. That's that young temper. No, I don't want no young temper. I don't want no Moses temper. I, I don't want that. And, I, and I, you know, I still got some, God's still working on me, okay? But I want to be that guy. And I don't want that for my grandchildren. I don't want that. Stuff, that's not what to deal with stuff. That, that ain't what I want for them. I, 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 don't, I don't want that. I want to do it the Jesus way. I want to go over and read the Sermon on the Mount and say, you get somebody, sla I mean, somebody slap, you turn them out cheap. I mean, that don't, that don't preach good. I used to have people in church say, well, the Bible says turn the other cheek, you know, but it don't say to do it twice. <laughs> I had this guy in the cornerstone say, he said, I'll turn it one time, Pastor, but on that second time, he said, they better give their heart to God because they're behind mine. I'm going to beat the daylights out of them. <laughs> I had a guy at the church told me, I, him and some, a brother was having, you know, difficulty, and I was trying to tell him, I, and I was out in the hall, I said, man, you, you can't fight that dude. I mean, we at the church. You can't fight that guy. And he said, well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. He said, he keeps messing me with He said, I'm going to take my, I'm going to take, and he said religion, because, you know, old-time religion. <laughs> he said, I'm going to take my religion, Pastor, and I'm going to lay it right over here where nobody don't step on it. But he said, and I'm going to go out and I'm going to kick his, you know what, and when I get to kicking his, you know what, then I'm going to come back and pick it back up. 
That's what he told me. He told me his pastor. I said, brother, it don't work that way, man. Just because you watched the movie The Apostle and Robert Duvall was a preacher and whooped somebody. Y'all seen that movie where he goes out and whoops that guy? I said, you can't do it like that, brother. You ain't Robert Duvall and this ain't a movie. So don't be fighting on church property. <laughs> That's all I'm telling you. Y'all got to get this worked out. It's people. Moses had trouble. We've had trouble. But I want to be a person that exemplifies and preaches and declares God's grace to people. And I know there's passages very confusing. But I want to end with this. Jesus is the... Once I've, Jesus is the, how many knows Jesus is the greatest revelation of God that, ever, that God's ever given humanity? And this is my answer, and I try to keep it simple. And I can't explain everything, and I don't know everything. But I think you can feel my heart. I'm not going to allow any inferior revelation. I didn't say wrong, but inferior revelation to supersede the superior revelation. So anything that you want to try to convince me about God that you can't prove to me in Jesus, in looking at Jesus and how Jesus did, then I don't care if it's in Samuel, Chronicles, Ezekiel, Deuteronomy. I don't care. I am, I'm going to put more weight on what Jesus did than I did on what they said he did. Or as God. I'm just going to hang with this because now I got me a clear picture and I'm not a disciple of Job. I'm not a disciple of Jesus, of, 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 of Abraham or Moses. I'm a disciple of Jesus. Jesus. And I'm, I want to be a Jesus follower. And, and, I, and so now that I got Jesus, I'm going to have to, I'll take that and I'll listen to that. And I've made some of the same mistakes that they've made, but I'm going to hang on to Jesus. And I'm going to say, Jesus is the way. He is the way. I'm going to try to do it the Jesus way. By the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to love. I'm going to choose. I'm going to love. I'm not going to choose hate. I'm not going to politicize religion and make it a political party or an endeavor. I'm going to just follow Jesus as best I know how. And I'm going to try to lead my church. I'm going to try to lead people. And I'm going to try to lead my children, my grandchildren in that way. It's called the Jesus way. And I want to be known as, when they put me in the box, I want to be known as a, you know, I, fine, if you want to call me a Christian, but I'd rather you call me a Jesus follower. So I tell you what, man, in that dude's old age, he tried his best to follow Jesus. And that's what I want to be known for. And that's what I want you to know about me. Amen? Now we good? Y'all ready to go eat some chicken somewhere or something? <laughs> Let me bless you. Hey, if you want it from prayer, you want to come here and talk to me and pray, man, I'm right here for you. My elders, uh, if y'all can meet me just right over here by that speaker, I'm going to take two minutes and tell you about something. And then I just want y'all to know something, okay? Uh, Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for these precious people. Help us to present you the way you really are and not through anger and wrath and politics and all that stuff. I just pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, if you want prayer, come up, and I'll be glad to pray with you. We will.